0: Oh. Right. Welcome back to the Soma Mama podcast, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce to you one of my dear friends and a lovely guest that we have on today. Her name is Madeline Ball, and uh, Madeline and I met in undergrad at the University of San Diego. Madeline is from Denver suburb area originally, and um, yeah, obviously moved to San Diego for college, and we'll get into it, but we've actually had some cool connecting points and one of them being in New Zealand uh, that we spent we both spent a period of time there Um, and now we are both in similar grad programs Um, so Madeline is in her MFT marriage and family therapy grad program currently in Portland Oregon where she's resided for the past several years Um, and then of course I am in my social work program so what actually cued Madeline coming on the podcast was uh just heart to heart, we had almost shy of a month ago I'm just talking about all things therapy and somatics and Tantra and yoga and the things that we've immersed ourselves into really our whole lives but especially the last within the last five years experiences that we've had the good the bad and the ugly that have shaped us um as we were just talking about before we hopped on to recording um the universe kind of gently nudging us in a direction um which we then realize in hindsight, right? In the moment when things are happening, it's often, especially the ugly moments, like what is going on? Why am I being handed this right now? Um, But being able to connect the pieces um, in hindsight or connect the dots is always such an interesting experience. And that's what I told Madeline. I was like, those are the moments I live for. Not that everyone everything needs to have reason or connection, but I do, there's so many opportunities where we can uh, make connection so without further ado I'm going to pass the figurative mic over to Madeline we're recording by zoom today I'm going to let her tell you all a little bit more about herself and then we'll get into it we'll discuss really whatever unfolds today but we'll talk a lot about mental health therapy um somatic experiences uh, talking about the body. And we've both done yoga training and, um, and work as in kind of a practitioner role right now with, with individuals. So we'll talk about that and uh, maybe some Tantra and we'll go from there. So Madeline, take the mic. Tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So fun to go down memory lane with you. Um, and see all of our connecting points. I think you're so right. We've had so many like big dots along the map. Um, but yeah, so I mean, where to start? I think I think, yeah, going back to Denver, um, going back to our little suburb where we grew up. Um, I grew up, mom and dad, uh, two older brothers and a little sister, and that that idea of family was always very integrated into my life. Um, the role that that played. Uh, My mom was a stay-at-home mom, uh, which is really wonderful always having a parent around. My dad was an attorney and had had a law firm since the time I was little. And I think that really impacted the way I saw work and the way I saw parenting, the way I saw gender roles, um, who who did what in the family um, and how everybody played their part. Uh, I think in that experience, looking back on it, it really shaped my my perception that everything was logical. I didn't do a lot of like feeling. I wasn't encouraged to feel. I was encouraged to think my way through problems, to logic my way through problems and to rationalize. um, And that often uh, negated a lot of emotions, which is, I think, so much of the reason that um, I've come back to to therapy and to psychology and what that all means um, and how I hope to move past those things now in life. Um, But anyway, fast forward, moving to San Diego, having the experience of really diving into um, psychology there, thinking that I really wanted to work with uh, psychiatric patients. All through undergrad, I I was kind of dead set on that. I, in my head, I thought that, like, the the divergence of, uh, like, pharmaceuticals, schizophrenia, and really any psychiatric disorder was, like, the most interesting thing in the world. And so I interned in those spaces, and after college, like, started to move in that direction. Um, And ended up kind of taking a little bit of a detour when I lived abroad. working and living in New Zealand uh overlapping that time frame with Courtney which was so wild um and getting into a lot more there around like the somatic work um at that time I was getting into tantra and into yoga and then did my did my yoga teacher training and I did a tantra training as well to become a tantric practitioner um and how that intertwined back into an experience back in Colorado, um, where I was working, doing yoga therapy with psychiatric patients. So uh, I guess, and then continuing on moving to Portland and doing, um, w- working in a health and wellness franchise where it's all assisted one-on-one stretching. And then of course, coming to grad school is like kind of the quick and dirty of it all. i <laughs> happy to get into more of that wherever you see fit
0: yes yes i i'm giggling because i love i love the quick and dirty and i also love the what i to. i guess the well i this is not meant to sound dirty but the long and deep which is what the mm-hmm. moments that we live for um any of you listening make that make of that what you'd like but madeline and i are two of those folks that um are like all right let's skip skip the small talk and let's get straight into it. Um, And taking going back to our um, conversation just a month ago, Madeline, I want to share with the listeners just um, the application of grad school right now and the work that you're doing into how that's showing up in your life. Um, So for example, you had alluded to like writing a 30 page paper on essentially like internal family systems and childhood trauma and how mm-hmm. you know writing down or sitting down to write a paper with that much depth and self-reflection is obviously brings up a lot and mm. i know one another thing you've shared is that it's um a it's mandatory or obligatory in your program to also be seeing a therapist throughout the extent of your program that is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so will you like walk us through just what that looks like for you now i know um you um yeah talked about um even this week like this your your semester just kicked off and you have um yeah you have weekend classes and how that's like all day week saturday sunday weekend classes are going to kind of shift your social life and um but you had said that um you know everything that i'm learning is also like it's it's i'm gonna bring in a yoga reference here off the mat into the world like everything i'm learning is then thus being applied to my life which is pretty pretty awesome i think um yeah is that something that you can shed some light on
1: yeah absolutely. Um, gosh, and yeah, the way the way you reframe it just reminds me so much of I feel like what I'm trying to do with school so often is, and i I joke that it's it's examining my own life from an academic level. Um, being able to take a step out of my own perspective and my emotions and my logic and all of it and be able to say okay where am I examining my own patterns my own relationships um my own trauma and experience and how do I not bring that into a therapeutic setting um I get to kind of do this in real time with with the work that I'm doing now with clients um at at the place that I work with assisted stretching because so much of it is is somatic and it's one-on-one and it's touching and it's um it's an intimate experience with somebody in a way that you don't necessarily often have intimacy which is like through touching a stranger um and of course all of that is uh with a lot of understanding and conversation around consent and my hand's going to go here is that okay here's what i'm doing here's my why behind why i'm doing all these things um and to see really how clients open up as certain parts of their body begin to get stretched. Um, and I think there's a lot of like burgeoning research around the idea of somatic psychology, whether it's EMDR or brain spotting. Um, and you can even go down into the, the rabbit hole of kind of like ecstatic dance and Tantra and these things that aren't necessarily like researched and academic knowledge. Um so all of that is to say, kind of backing up to your original question, uh, it's hard to examine your life and be writing like long papers and be giving presentations and be doing these role plays in grad school without it affecting the rest of your life. I joke that I I go to bars after at the end of the week and people are like, Oh, well, how's your week been? I'm like, well, I've been thinking a lot about like my father's relationship to uh grief in his own life um and and, you know it's just like these things that people aren't necessarily thinking about on a day-to-day basis um but in that i think it's making me extremely self-aware more so than i probably was before um, and able to articulate my own life in a way that's powerful and relatable um and creating a lot of empathy and compassion towards myself and my own experiences. Um, you also mentioned the the requirement of my of my school with doing therapy during the program. Um, and that's actually something that I haven't met a lot of other people that that's a requirement for them. Ironically, uh, and I don't, I don't know how it's not. <laughs> because so much of the work I've been doing with my therapist I for some context I went into this specific therapist saying I'm in grad school I need you for three years you know I could have always switched if I didn't like the person but um I need you for this time frame and I need like here's what I think I should be working on during this I didn't go in with this idea of like I have a specific acute problem that I need to be working on it's I'm sure I have blind spots and biases that I don't even know about and I need to start figuring those out so that I don't bring this into a client relationship. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's a lot of the process that I have had uh, with doing just a lot of deep analyzing of my own life and being led into that in a really uh, graceful way via my school and professors and mentors, um, and other peers as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. I, Madeline, I'm so touched by what you just spoke to. And I obviously Mm -hmm. resonate and align in so many ways. And a a few things I want to circle back to is one, like, yeah, how can one not be in therapy while also going through a very intensive
1: self-study
0: oriented program? And I completely agree and I it's not a requirement for my program for as a perfect example and I was actually I was interviewing a, another social worker yesterday and you know she had mentioned I was like asking her, you know, what does your client lo- load look like at the moment? What what kind of theories and models are, do you work use in your practice and as she had just mentioned, like, I obviously I've worked with some clients for, you know, nonstop three years, three to five years. I've also worked with some clients for up to 10 to 15 years that kind of pop in and out when they when they want to. And they know that that's that's mm-hmm. always invited. And I stopped her and I was like, yes, like, that's what I call maintenance therapy, um, which is kind of the the adaptation of therapy I've taken in my life most recently. um in previous instances in my life, I've seen a therapist for six months straight or a year straight or two years straight. And, um, now, you know, obviously folks like you and I hold the knowing of like, yes, we, we now have, we have the logic and the understanding of so many models and approaches and theories and, and ways to dive in and self-study. And, um, and it's not the same doing it on your own. Right. Like I think mm-hmm. about just the importance of mentorship and supervision and how I like it's been one of my goals to to work myself up to a place where I can be that for other people. And I think that's the beauty of just the circle of life. Right. Like given your age or your maturity or your your experience, you're always really going to be in a role or a place where you can be of mentorship or of service to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, So in your instance, like working with a, I love that you went into your therapist and it's like, hey, like, or when seeking out a therapist for this grad school requirement, like, this is what I need from you. And this is, this is what I'm looking to accomplish, or this is what I, I'm, I'm looking to unfold in this time together. And with humility, you spoke to, yes, I'm, I'm more than certain I have biases and, and blind spots that I don't even know exist. Right. Mm -hmm. And that right there speaks to me, like the importance of having an objective third party to to work with and to to bounce ideas off of. And um, I've had so many of those moments in therapy myself where I'm like, what, like, never thought of it that way. And Mm -hmm. for those of you listening, it's so similar to even like problem solving or troubleshooting something like, I don't know, putting a children's like toy together or, Any like working in a group project where, you know, we can get into group think mentality or even just individual think mentality where we think Mm -hmm. something has to happen a certain way and someone comes in and is like, hey, how about this way? Did you try this? And it's just those mind burst moments where you're like, no, didn't even give consideration Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything there that calls out to you or... That
1: yeah yeah opinion. um gosh I mean just the because I think well so much of what you talk about like being able to like have a different perspective is so often I think like working towards this this career as a clinician like what you're often offering people is this flip on perspective um, that maybe is not good or bad or black or white. It doesn't have to be any of those things. It's just different than what somebody else is looking at. Um, And I think as much as we attempt to seek that out, we are inundated in a society and in a system where we are not encouraged towards different perspectives. Um, and so I think even, I mean, I think of like, think of like the concept of a yes man and how I, I want to say that my friends and my family and my community are not those people to me, but realistically, like there was a reason I was drawn to them. And there was a reason I have similar perspectives and we come off of similar experiences together and and we might have similar ways of approaching life. Um, so having somebody that's like. Almost like a, a fork in the road to be like, well, have you thought about it this way, what about here? Are you thinking about your emotions when you're doing this? Gosh, it's just been, it's been like really pivotal towards, um, to, towards just rooting deeper into a place that I didn't even realize I needed to root. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That yeah, the, really the imagery that I have in my head right now is, is a, um, like an already existing tree. continuing to expand their roots beneath them. Right. And it kind of, that also made me think of the iceberg analogy, which we use a lot, even in like mental health and personal growth, like often what we see, um, is, is above the water right? And, and most of the iceberg exists below the water. And mm-hmm. if we apply that to an individual, for an example, like, yeah, we see what we see how they appear, we see how they dress, we see their race, we might see the cultural indication. Um, but we don't see upon first glance, all of the experiences and traumas um, and beliefs that they bring. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's where I just fall into, um, the beauty of storytelling and story sharing and how much value, um, comes of doing both of those things, right. Such as, such as having you on the podcast and just, and that's really been my philosophy to even having a podcast is like, Hey, let's get on and just talk and share stories in, in the hope that someone else will align and resonate and, um, and also feel affirmed that they're not alone in
1: whatever they've experienced. And uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Providing those spaces, I think, is, um, is something our culture is learning to do more and more of. It's, it's very validating
0: yes yeah like take i mean just the the subject of mental health for example obviously we know as rising practitioners how much work is still needed to be done in this world and we can also acknowledge how far we've come and i personally bring gratitude to um living in a in a this day in society where we we can talk about mental health and you know Mm -hmm. some corporate structures are allowing mental health days and it's encouraged to take breaks and it's encouraged to to not over stimulate and over socialize um and that's not something literally that previous generations have seen or felt Mm -hmm. um And of course, right away, my mind goes to like, well, damn, like generational trauma and ancestral trauma, then like what our ancestors experienced comes forth and lives in us today. And so Mm -hmm. inevitably, like every single individual is doing some type of unlearning. Um, And actually, Mm -hmm. when you had mentioned even just the yes man and, and like having the, the Um, invaluable nature of having a different perspective. I thought about Adam Grant, who is a um, a, he's a professor. I want to say he's actually a business professor, but he does a lot of um, like research in psychology as well. And he writes Mm -hmm. the book, um, the originals, I believe it is, and just talks about he's done a lot of like social science research around um for example, this one stood out in the book: someone who um, downloads Google Chrome instead of using their computer's mm, um, yeah. like already because existing of internet, um, and like how those right. people are actually X amount more efficient and have a better work efficacy, um, just because they decided to think think differently, um, think a little sure. bit outside of the box, and that like, this is such a neat topic. I think about this a lot as well, um, like. Every single day, I think, oh my gosh, did you not question that situation, or did you not? Um, this is like both intrinsically and extrinsically speaking. Like, why have, you've been in this role for fifteen years? Have you ever asked for a raise? You know, like, have you? Mm-hmm. And that, like, so much of that, those kind of questions come back to core beliefs about oneself. I believe, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and are you, and also innate, innate self in the terms of like are you combative? Are you non-confrontational? Mm. Are you, do you like to, are you an interactivist, activist, right? Do you like to kind of bump up against systems and structures? Um, mm. But just how all of those ways in which we're innately hardwired impact our,
1: how we exist in the world. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh, you said, you said so much of, uh... just the idea of structures and you, you mentioned core beliefs and these ideas that we can be hardwired into something yet in some ways as well, we can outlearn those systems. We're not hardwired into anything. If there's a process or if there's uh, if there's something that we're willing to wanting to change about ourselves, you could be the type of person that downloads Google Chrome instead of using the the software that's already installed. But it takes asking the question, it takes getting into those habits. And it takes whether a therapist or a mentor or anybody else in your life to just say, actually, what if we did more here? Um so I think that process is really interesting that um nothing is really set in stone. The idea of black and white doesn't really exist. And of course I come at that with a uh, with my own experience and privileged perspective of being able to say that.
0: Absolutely. And I, I thank you so much for acknowledging your privilege and and bringing that to the table as, um, yeah, that's something that I hold in many ways too. And, um, I don't, I've learned so much not to negate it or not to, you know, forget about it. I think for the longest time too, I felt like, well, I have to, I like have to be of service in all of these ways because I hold this privilege. And yes, I still hold that core belief, right? Like I hold um, something in this lifetime that many of individuals don't, don't do be, be it because of my race or my sexuality or my nationality or, you know, the list goes on. Um, But I didn't really allow myself to just feel into, like, what it meant to just be me and, like, not have that extra layer of anxiety around, like, you know, well, I'm like a white female and, you know, middle class. So I have to do all these things as someone who is innately hardwired to help people and be of service. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you can relate to or, like… Feel, have felt into, or have you felt differently when it comes to just the topic of privilege um,
1: and being a yeah. white female in this world? Yeah, of course. I think it, it's hard not to. To to be honest, I think to to look and around and recognize privilege um, is important. To also recognizing and respecting oppression, like one cannot exist without the other. Um And in validating those experiences, I have to validate and respect my own. Um, I think so much of my life was I mean, even up until USD University of San Diego, where we both went, um, that was such a bubble experience. And I actually I spoke to a friend that went there the other day about it, and she was like, Don't you think it was all it was interesting that we went down to Tijuana to do these mission trips when really the whole campus was like yeah but don't turn left don't go to linda vista right outside of school because that's a dangerous part of town it's like we were in this neighborhood of oppression and we we weren't even really scratching the surface surface of what that meant to be in that neighborhood and in that neighborhood for a long time and like what we were doing to almost like keep ourselves separate from that so no, no shame against USD or anything like that. But I think there was a bit of a bubble stance there. Um, and I think since coming out of undergrad, I've learned a lot around uh, how much my privilege has, has benefited me um, and how to like really, really learn my, myself out of those things as much as I can. Um, yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, yes, gosh. I, yes, it's just what I want to say. And I actually I have a, I can relate to what you shared about obviously being a student at University of San Diego. But in one of my leadership classes, um, it, was, it was actually a master's level class that I was taking. And um, it was an organizational theory. And like one of our projects was to connect with a local um community organization and kind of do like a org systems theory analysis. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so we had chosen a community center in Linda Vista. And here I am this, you know, undergrad student plopped from Northern Idaho down at USD looking at this little bubble that we existed within right on top, perched on top of the hill. Um, And yeah, it was like turn left if you go down if you want to go down to the mall or like some restaurants, but like don't go past there. And um, that was a huge eye opening for experience for me. And this was towards the end of my undergrad experience was connecting with um, these at large immigrant communities that live within Linda Vista. Um, And I also found out that Linda Vista has one of the highest crime rates in all of San Diego County. And I was like, well, you know, that's not something they're telling us at Mm-hmm. orientation right and again mm-hmm. not that that was felt by any means as a student um, of University of San Diego but this is across the board especially for I mean out of state or out of county students to know more like know about the community that you're that you're coming mm-hmm. into right because there is such mm-hmm. a, there's such a class disparity and there's class disparity within un- universities and institutions alone um, but then also yeah, like just the vast disparities that exist within a community, like these are the college campus, um, borders, right. Or like, and I hate to say it that way, but like, this is the campus and this is not, and it's like clear cut to find. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, it does like just speaking that out loud. I'm like, that doesn't feel good. And, I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's just like we don't really do we know what's happening on the other side and this is this is with anything um until we like start to ask and then start until we start to like meet that situation or meet those people um meet that topic and approach it and um yeah i just really appreciated that that surface because um i know that's that's a huge I guess just issue or concern really across across the states, um, across the globe. I'm sure.
1: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even just um, kind of bringing it back to like, psychology and somatic psychology. I think being interested um, in psychiatric patients and hospitals came from this false belief that, uh, I was safe physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever it may be. Um, and then realizing post-grad that like, that wasn't necessarily always the case. Um, so this, this false sense of security that privilege brings, um, has always been interesting, always been interesting to kind of witness in my, in myself.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to use that as a segue, Madeline, to um, kind of highlight some of the, the events as, as I preluded the good, the, the bad, and the ugly that have led you to where you are now. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, so of course, so you you know, you've shared like going into, I love that just the, the like polarity for one between thinking and feeling and then also hearing more about your upbringing Mm -hmm. around like logic and emotion and how that like those were differently shaped in your upbringing and then um you know this is actually think this is quite familiar for many folks like going into undergrad or associates or technical school and thinking like okay i'm gonna like think my way through this right i'm gonna like learn x y and z so that i can like so this will be the outcome um which it's just funny how the universe hands us certain lessons and learnings and it's like rarely is that like what act what actually happens but um but the like just the mentality of like I'm gonna think my way through this um whereas Mm -hmm. I think the beauty of psychology is like it teach there is so much theoretical information to learn and there's also like it offers the invitation opens up the the door Pandora's box really for us to self-study and to um feel and experience that but um that being said i think also so much of so many of us are not taught to feel and so we can approach this work or we can come to a therapist at any age and be like well yeah like i can think about how i feel but i don't i can't actually like experience the sensation and feel into that Um, especially folks who have experienced trauma big t or little t trauma um, because so often we disassociate from the somatic experience to stay safe and secure. Um, So Madeline, I know you had one defining moment um, where you were working with in a psychiatric setting um, that kind of really, I don't even want to say encouraged you, but forced you to take a step back and, um, and do some self-healing really on all of the realms like physical mental emotional spiritual is that something that you'd be willing to shed light
1: on yeah yeah absolutely um and i guess kind of like trigger warning for the people listening if if there's been abuse in your life maybe consider skipping through the next little bit of this um but yeah so essentially i had back from traveling um, living abroad and I had um, I was in Denver at the time and I was working at an inpatient psychiatric facility doing um, yoga therapy I had just been certified as a yoga teacher and I had I had been setting up this yoga program for them this like yoga wellness and it was a lot of it was different than a lot of people uh, of the way a lot of people think of yoga. It wasn't as much like asana and like the movement practice. It was also a lot of like Nidra and it was a lot of um, meditation and a lot of just getting people into their bodies and out of their minds in so many ways. Um, So anyway, I had, I had been working there setting up this program and I had responded to an emergency call on one of the units on, there was a, there's an adult, an adolescent, and an elderly unit within this one big hospital. I responded to a call on an adolescent unit, um, saying like, "Hey, we just need some backup. Basically, like a patient um, isn't doing well. We need some extra hands on deck." Uh, and so I had gone into the situation knowing um, knowing that ahead of time. Uh, and once I got there, I had I had another doctor approach me and said it's this person. Um, and you should, you should know going into it, like, here's the setting, here's what's happening. We think she's self self self-harming. Um, and I said, Oh, I know her. I've been working with her for months. I've been doing like one-on-one sessions with her. And I've been doing group sessions with her doing, doing yoga therapy. I, I feel comfortable with her. I, I can like, let me, let me see if I can talk to her. And so she happened to be, um, in the shower where we thought she was self-harming. And so I had gone into the bathroom and said, Hey, it's me. It's, it's Madeline yoga therapist here, trying to really like ground her into space and time. Um, And I said, Hey, I'm just here for you. What do you need? How can I help you? How can I support you? Um, And then like from there, it all, it all happened really fast thinking back on it, but um, she had burst from the shower and had grabbed my my body my hair and then put slammed me up against a wall and knocked me out and then at that point she proceeded to bite me and take out a a chunk of my arm um and then kind of fast forward I blacked out for a lot of it whether that was from like physical harm or like kind of a mental harm we're still kind of (laughs) discovering that learning from that um and what resulted in all of that was like eight months worth of workers comp, um, pretty bad concussion, couldn't drive for like six months, uh, a lot of therapy, a lot of physical therapy, um, for my body, um, went to the hospital that night and, uh, thankfully no broken bones, but, um, some pretty big issues from getting (laughs) slammed up against a wall. And there was, there was fears after like the exposure of not knowing, like. Bloodborne pathogens. There was a lot of trauma around, like whether or not I was going to press charges against this 13 year old girl that had done this, Um, and then of course, just like the healing that ensued after that. Um, Yeah, yeah, it is such an interesting process to have it be such a um, such a physical experience. Um, I think I knew that a lot of healing came through this like physical experience, whether, you know, I could I could like boil it down to in college when I'm stressed out, i go for a run and that helps me. I don't know why, but I know it does. Or yoga, how that was helping me at the time. But for it to be such a stark physical experience of like, you are now in danger, physical danger, and your body is no longer protected in the sense that you can protect it in a way that you've always protected it, very logically, rationally. Um, and so this sense of like fear that I had never felt in my life all of a sudden came over me, um, and inability to really act, and inability to uh, really like decision make because everything at that point was so feeling based. It was. It was. I'm scared. I I don't feel like I can leave my house because I'm scared. I don't feel like I can go back into this work that I've been working towards for years and years and years. What's next? Um, and at that point, I really like, I shifted years into this space of I am, I'm no longer, I, I don't want to even work with clients. I don't want to put my hands on people. I don't want to, um, I don't want to help people. (laughs) Truthfully, I think I got to that point of uh, knowing that my help could be so harming to myself was terrifying and like shook a lot of what I think my foundation was at the time. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) long, long road of recovery there and In hindsight, so thankful for all the people that came into my life during that time, whether like medical uh, practitioners, um, somatic based healers, um, craniosacral therapists, um, PTs, psychotherapists, psychiatrists. I mean, I, I don't think I would I would be mentally in the space that I am today without a lot um, of push towards healing at that time. Mm.
0: I want to pause just to digest what you said around like, I don't, of course, after this instance, I didn't want to help anyone. Um, but I didn't mm. realize how helping others could harm myself. You didn't say it in those exact words, but that's that's the iteration that surfaced for me. Um, mm. And, you know, yeah, we shared before we started recording this kind of like, in my language, I often say like the universal lesson or, um, you know, the direction in which I was being nudged, um, which I didn't realize at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. but Madeline, so like, obviously so heart wrenching to hear the experience and also on the other side, so beautiful as you depicted all of these people who came into your life, um, in like, in this field of psychology that you are interested in, right. To support you Mm -hmm. in a different, in a different way, right. A a Mm -hmm. very direct self-healing, um, fashion and, um, yeah, like that. We we were call- referring to them as like the wraparound events or wraparounds, like sequences that happen and um, right? These instances um for of good, bad, and ugly, and um, yeah. I just find that so so fascinating. Like that, that's that's what you had experienced, right? Or that's what came into fruition for you and and um. I want you to speak to like the calling to move to Portland and kind of the, I guess, the divine nature of the work that you came into there, which was and is still is working directly with clients, which to my understanding, did you know that at the time or because you stepped originally into more of like a coordinate, coordination role or would
1: you call it administration? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically right after all that happened like that had happened in october and then december of that year i had um been in contact with somebody doing tantric work in boulder colorado and i had gone to um one of her trainings for her company and that's when i really dove into like energy work and what that means and, and the healing power of energy work. Um, for those of you that are familiar, uh, just like using chakras in, in your body and the spiritual like energy centers within everyone um, to really heal myself and figure out like, where am I not functioning on this line? Like, how am I being disconnected from from source? And like, where can I root harder and expand more? Um, and that came at a really good time. And ironically, I met somebody through there that said, Hey, have you ever heard of this company? They're they're starting a franchise, they're they're starting franchises everywhere. It was that it was like very startup of this company. Um, and so I had gotten connected to the owner out in Portland, um, who at the time was like, hey it would make more sense if you were like doing the work of stretching people based off your experience. And I, at the time was like, can't, I'm, I would love to go into management. I think at this time I need to be really better about uh, separating myself from the work and then never thinking I'd get back to it. Quite honestly, like I believed in what we were doing at the company and I, I still work there. I do believe in what we're doing at the company um but i never thought i would be in a in a safe enough place in a secure enough place to be able to work with people and really like you talk about how um i came back to that and so much of that i think truly is just like trusting intuition i think uh it, it, in the most cliche way it's like life threw me a really big curveball and there was still something in me that was like Hey, you're made for this work. Don't know how you're gonna get back there. Don't know when it's gonna be. But it, it really clicked for me at a time um, where I needed to be working with people that wanted to be working on themselves. That that was a huge transition away from you know working with clients and working with patients that were at a psychiatric unit that were there on a 72-hour hold. Um So uh, yes, yeah, coming back into it and and working with clients now, uh, I think has, has been partially in due, partially due to um, my own healing and my own uh, trusting of really like the path I'm on um, because so often I felt like, I don't really know why I'm called to do this the idea of calling I don't know I feel like that's very religious very spiritual but it does feel almost like vocational to me there's something in it that's like part of me is like why do you feel called to this (laughs) this is hard you know like this work is hard but still feeling called and just trying to like deeply intimately trust that somewhere in me I know that that's a good thing and that's where I'm meant to be
0: Mhm. I I mean just to affirm Madeline you saying like this is the work that I like even despite this happening and and even despite the fear of like not wanting to leave my own house cuz I was didn't feel safe in that healing period I'm feeling like this is the work that I meant to do. And when I heard you speak that, I got full body chills. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I also really appreciate the acknowledgement of like that yeah, this is hard, and I still feel called to do it. And so what I'm hearing there too is this like fine tuning process, which is beautifully like very harmoniously happening both intrinsically and extrinsically, right? I'm like see- watching you doing this little dance with the external world that's like okay, Madeline, like you take the first few steps and then like we'll come helps support you and guide you. And no. um, and yeah, even the like owner of this franchise being like, hey, I actually really think you should be doing like st- stretching work. And right at that time it was like, nope, do not compute, will not receive. Um, And then obviously the continuation of your self-healing process, like didn't stop in your move, right? That continued. Um, And then another one of those just defining one-liners that I heard you speak to is like the just the subtle difference, well, not even subtle, the major difference between working with people who want to help themselves as opposed to those who don't. Mm -hmm. And um, I know we've had this conversation at a different point of just around like, As a practitioner, I've dissected like, is it privilege or is one holding privilege to choose who they want to work with, right? Or is Mm -hmm. this is more of an Mm -hmm. intrinsic question or is it like affirmative and boundary setting to say like,
1: Mm. you know, this
0: is who I want to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. And also, like, I'm such an advocate for speaking things, one, into fruition, but two, into actuality, Um, even like those, it's like those, the inner whispers, the quiet whispers within that we don't really think would ever be possible in this lifetime, but like, that obviously exists within us for a reason. And once we begin to speak them out loud, like, that's when the magic starts to happen right that's when mm-hmm. outside sources will come to help support us like hey you've been working with kids your whole life but you actually want to work with geriatric patients great like here's this opportunity or you you know you've been working with psychi- psychiatric patients but you want to like be a life coach instead great like here's this here are these people who want those services um mm-hmm. And tying it back to MFT, of course, like it that's what's so beautiful about this profession is um is you you do get to choose, right? You do get to kind of set your standards for care and for service. And and as a professional, we always have the ability to uphold our boundaries, right? Yeah. Be it with an instance or a client that may not resonate, like That's why we have intake forms. (laughs) That's why we Mm. have, that's why we have missions and values and standards for, for, for our private practices, right? We want, we want to be working with those that align, um, with the work Mm. that we want to be doing in an ideal situation. That's keeping everyone safe, really like that's keeping everyone, um, in alignment with, with their purpose be it like in yeah. the therapy, obviously, it gets edgy and uncomfy with the things that we dive into. Um, but we're being held
1: in a container that feels energetically aligned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that's, um, that for me, is often like the the intrigue to systems work. And for, for people that, that don't know systems is is just a fancy word in therapy for relationships, um, systems within a workplace, systems within a family, systems within a couple. Um, because right, the, these ideas, it makes me think of, of this quote of an author who I'm blanking on that we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And I think, um, when we really break that down, it helps us look at who am I surrounding myself with, be it clients that I'm intrinsically drawn to towards helping or coworkers or family or partnerships. And, um, how are they encouraging me, inspiring me to the level of, of my goals? Cause it's hard to reach those if you're not within a system that's, um, supporting you in doing that.
0: Absolutely. Oh, and you're you're preaching to the choir, right? So like actually for a while, I really, um, I had a hard time deciding between grad programs because I've always been very fascinated by organizational behavior management. Um, seeing that there is, I believe a deep need for systematic and structural change in our Western world um, in so many structures, right? And this comes back to that like, quote, as Adam Grant would say, original thinking, where it's like, okay, so we've built these structures and systems, be it through family systems, through partnerships, or through corporate systems, through political systems, um, over time, like who's questioning and who's bringing about change within them. And Mm. so often we hear the narrative within systems of like, well, I'm only one person, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a change. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do like we are seeing more of a change within systems such as like work from home freedom and moving mm-hmm. away from the traditional hierarchical. Um, organizational structure Um but. Yeah, it's still like. That that was a definite tangent, just expressing my interest in how like something like MFT or social or social work can still also make its uh, ripple effect to larger systems.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: Well, Madeline, it's somehow almost been an hour already, which is crazy. And We've flown. I know, we just flow back and forth. I felt like I actually had a lot more – I felt like I felt very called to contribute and talk maybe a little bit more than I have in previous episodes. And um, that is a true testament to your innate self and your innate being. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just so excited to continue to watch you grow into – the role of a therapist and practitioner, and whatever it is that you choose to call yourself or in the work that you do in a mixed modality practice, it's, it's all welcomed, it's all encouraged mm-hmm.
1: and, um, I'm right there with you sister. <laughs> yeah oh, thank you yeah, I think it's always uh, very grounding to speak with you mm. Thank you. Thank you. And
0: for any of our listeners who would like to continue this conversation with you or have any questions about you and your journey journey, where can they get in contact with you? I can give you email phone number, all those things. Okay, so I will, if I have Madeline's consent, pop some of her information into the show notes. Um, so she can be contacted again if you yeah if anything resonated you resonated for those of you listening please um, reach out to either of us just to continue the conversation and um i trust that we will have another episode again one day <laughs>
1: thank you court yep. i appreciate you
0: all right